0: If you've ever thought about starting a podcast for your own business, or maybe work in the podcasting industry and you just kind of want to know what it's like behind the scenes, you're going to want to stick around for this one.
1: Holly Shannon is not only the best selling author of Zero to Podcast, but also the producer and host of Culture Factor 2.0, which explores the company cultures of today and what businesses are doing to adapt very quickly.
0: Holly also has a tremendous passion for podcasters of all levels and also gives us all some strategies that we can take our podcast to the next level. So get ready for takeoff.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you for having me, Jim. Of this is great. I ate all the cookies and milk in the back, so there's none left. <laughs> And I and I actually brought the champagne cuz you said it was a party so you oh, know Oh nice you got a head start on us very nice
1: <laughs> Yeah so so Holly um you you actually are now living in where I grew up the Washington DC area so Chris and I always uh, have fun talking about the Washington football team so now I know you're a recent uh, arrival to that area from our conversation so we'll see maybe you'll like the football team maybe you won't but uh,
2: Well be nice to do a live event, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Well, you, yeah.
2: In, your, in your
0: position, maybe prior, you did that, right? You, you worked uh, in, in the event space. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that because that did lead you to where you're at now and writing the book and, and being involved in the, uh, in the podcasting space.
2: Yeah, so I had always been in the event space. I've done um, trade shows, conferences, boutique hospitality, very large events and very small um, curated ones that are for like the C-suite board level retreats. Had a history of that. And then I got into doing more of the marketing strategy, which I did uh, towards the tail end of last year and, and into this year. Uh, that was really great. Actually, it was with uh, Auberge Resorts Collection. Really great team of people. They have like 25 properties. I really got to work on my uh, my strat size side of marketing, which is really fun. Really understanding you know, the why and the end game of, and the goals. So I got to do that. And then COVID hit and the whole event industry and hotels, everything took a nosedive. So I actually got into podcasting a bit by accident, and uh, have come to really enjoy it. And thought this is really great; it's such a great marketing tool. And so I uh, have built out of it the uh, ability to get businesses, uh, you know, B two B and and in individuals into podcasting because there's so many. Uh, great benefits to it. I, I just love it so much. I could sell it all day long. <laughs> it's really great. So yeah. So that's sort of the the, tra- the trail. My 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 road was never linear. It was always a little bit of that, but it's all good.
0: Yeah. I mean, you were you were meant to be here, right? It, I mean, who knew? You know, you, we weren't in control. We didn't know that that uh, we were going to have this pandemic. And it sounds like you're absolutely passionate and happy where you're at, which is awesome. So did you? When you were in those spaces, when you were when you were doing what you were doing there, what exactly got you into doing podcasting? Did you have those relationships from what you were doing prior and said, Hey, I'm going to see now that COVID is happening, how I can work with these businesses to, to help launch their podcasts?
2: Actually, no. Um, that would have been an easier way, but it just didn't happen that way because a lot of those businesses imploded, at least for the time being. So, uh, what I did is I leaned into my other mar- marketing sides. I, I like to joke I'm like a Swiss Army knife in business and marketing because I have a little bit of expertise in everything. And uh, I really just uh, dove into the content creation side of it, the branding, all the other elements that come with the work I had done in the past. You know, I had done it live and in person, experiential events, that type of thing. And then it was translating it to the page. It was translating it to the voice. So I built out content for a lot of websites and um, had learned that podcasting would be a really good tool uh, for companies. Got into it. I was actually working with a startup um, that was looking for a poll marketing tool. So it was a great fit. And I created the podcast. The conversation in the podcast is about company culture. And that wasn't necessarily my area of expertise, but the thing that I've learned is that in podcasting, and and it's what I teach now, is you don't have to be the expert, right? Like you need to be curious, and you need to be open to conversation, and you need to uh, highlight and find the best people that are open to having that conversation because they're boots on the ground, Um, they they have the chops, as they say. So. Um, it's just finding the right people and hopefully asking the right questions. Um, I think I, I do a pretty good job of it. Uh, I've I've definitely gotten the podcast up to a really good level now. Um, I've, I'm happy to say it it reached a top ten spot with Feedspot and it's ranked globally in the top three percent. So I think I've I've found the the secret sauce, if you will. But um, I just really liked podcasting and and the direction that it took me. And uh, ultimately, uh, doing all the writing that I do with content, it was sort of um, a natural progression to start helping companies do that and to write a book. It it doesn't seem like the obvious path, but it actually is.
1: So you already kind of, I guess, liked writing, doing that sort of thing, but then you got into the audio. Um, I think a lot of times it's like, I think it's that struggle to go from audio to written. But... uh... Because you know, obviously, you if you're able to put that stuff out. So really, what drove you then to, to write the book, uh, Zero to Podcast?
2: So I had the podcast and I realized that I am very curious and I might want to start another podcast. And so I was also transitioning. The startup I was working with was going one direction, I was going another. And... Um, I wasn't sure if I'd still have the podcast, so I decided let me write myself a how-to manual. So that way, if I have to start something else, I have like the Cliff Notes version, if you will. You know, because I took really good notes. Um, I write, so uh, I sat down and I really put all of my notes together. Uh, and really, it was just for me. It was it was literally a how-to guide, so that I could start other podcasts and and do it more for other people and when i was done i was kind of like i should share this with people like i should not keep this just for me and so i wanted to share it with the world so i went about turning it into uh an actual book and not just something for me and so now it's out there so that other people can get their idea on itunes
0: so interesting you the original uh, premise of, of you sitting down and, and writing this was just so that you could have your own manual so when you decided that you wanted to do that again, you can go, oh, let me crack open this thing I I wrote down all of my notes and then as you're going through it you're you're sort of like, hey, this could actually help thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people on down the road yes exactly So how much of the book is based on let's just say, the philosophies of of podcasting, not necessarily like the tech and stuff. So on 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 Dealcasters, Jim and I talk to a lot of people that uh, you know. Their first question is the type of microphone that you buy, right? Um, and they 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 immediately go into the you know the delivery systems and oh oh like what do you use as your host? Do you use Simplecast or do you use Libsyn or? And they immediately go into that kind of thing, before they think about actually the content itself and why they're doing it, what they want to accomplish. So how much of the book is based on you know that philosophical? Because I know when you're working with a lot of businesses, I'm sure, you know, as, as I do as well, you'll, you'll talk to them about developing a podcast and you ask them why they're doing it, maybe, or, or what they want to accomplish. They don't really know what they want to accomplish. They just know they need one. And that's not really a reason... Right. Um, so philosophically, um, how how much of that process is is involved in the book?
2: Actually, quite a bit. So um, I do address all of what I call the static pieces of it. Okay, so you know what's the microphone I'm going to use? What are you know what's the headset I'm going to use? Um, and yes, like you said, the podcast host is it Simplecast or, or Libsyn, and I do discuss all of that in there because they are. Legit questions, right? But to me, there's so much more. And so, when I addressed this, when I addressed this book, I took it from the standpoint of, well, I was new to podcasting, and I needed to know more than that. I had imposter syndrome. I wasn't sure about interviewing. I wasn't sure um, about social media, and and all the other things. So. Those components I needed to address in there because I lived through it. Like this was real. And it wasn't, you know, I I tell people the reason why the book I feel is very genuine and, and really heartfelt is that I didn't have experience in audio when I started. And so I designed this book with my personal mindset where I was. So no technical expertise in the area. You know, didn't have money to throw at it for a big fancy equipment, didn't know the first thing about how to do a podcast or what an RSS feed is, which is real simple syndication. I didn't know any of this stuff. So it was really written from a very raw and genuine newbie, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I want to have one position. So I made sure to tap into all of that conversation in there. And... Um, I'm on Clubhouse often and I do uh, clubs there where I talk to aspiring podcasters, whether it's for business or individuals. And then we dive into some of the other important topics that I cover in the book. Like that magic is in the niche. Like you want to get that niche right. You want to drill down your podcast because it's not for everybody. Even if you think it is, it's not for everybody. So you could say, I'm doing a podcast on health and wellness. And it's for anybody who's age 18 to 85, because they all care, care about health and wellness, but you're not going to find your audience. So if you say, you know, I'm really into really interesting modalities like in the wellness area, like mushrooms and CBD and, um, you know, things like that, then you're starting to already drill down. And so, Who is your audience? You know, do you find the people most receptive to that are maybe more like between the ages of twenty to forty? Like, we start to drill it down. So that's for like maybe an individual for a business. um, I am always asking the why. Why do you want to have it? Because it. There's work that goes into it, but it could be really beautiful work. And it could be something that could be a, a tool that builds company culture. It could be a tool that, to really highlight the thought leaders that work in your company and to get them future um, keynote uh, speaking positions. Uh, it could get them a TEDx. I mean, if they learn to speak and interview well and, and be a part of that community, um, they could build a conference from there they could build a virtual conference if we never get out of our house. So uh, there's there's a lot that can be done and those are things I address in the book. I bring those questions up, I dive into there so that they're thinking about the big picture at the end what they want to do with it and the refined picture of why they're starting.
1: So Holly, that you, now that you've uh, you've written the book and you've had some time, are there things now that you're like I almost need to go back and like Write the second edition. And these are some things that I wish I had put in the first edition. Are are there any things like that that you have discovered? You
2: know, it's funny. Like you were saying, uh, you have some new tools that you use too lately, Descript, Hello Audio. There's like a lot of new kids on the block, right? And I think if I did another iteration of the book or the next copyright or Whatever. Um, I might address what some other softwares are doing out there, but there's only so much you could keep up with the tech piece of it in a book because it's ever changing. I do a section, there's a chapter on editing, and I use GarageBand as the example in there. I could do examples to five different types of there's Pro Tools, Audacity, you know, GarageBand, there's all kinds. But at some point, you have to just pick one give them a taste. They might have to go to YouTube University for a little bit more, do tutorials, and there'll be new kids on the block that change the way we do it. So perhaps there'll be another version at some point, or maybe there'll be sections that I dive deeper into. Like, for example, for businesses, I really could practically write a book about all of the different components of, uh, building one for a company and, and the why behind that. So I probably could do podcasting for B2B and have it be its own separate entity. So zero to, zero to podcasting business. I don't know.
0: There you go. There you go. Right here on DealCasters Live, you find out the next book from Holly Shannon just just now. Um, So we had uh, Mitch Jackson, the streaming lawyer on um, a a few weeks ago, and um, he wrote a book on mastering social media. And the reason why I bring that up is it's somewhat parallel to, to what you're talking about. If you spend too much time writing a book and you're too involved in the tech... You know, by the time it's published, there's some outdated stuff in there, right? So, so it sounds like you really spent um, an inordinate amount of time on the mindset, on developing the plan, on on all of that. And I think one of the things that you know, as a podcaster myself, and where I also work with podcasters, I find that there's a it's it's sort of a lonely thing. Uh, and I think a lot of content uh, creators, especially early on. It can be very lonely because you you record something, you've got it in your you know you've got your MP3 and you you upload it to your host and then you you sit back and maybe you shoot out some audiograms or whatever in your socials and then you don't hear a peep and you poured yourself into this thing right so how do you work with someone that um, you know you mentioned imposter syndrome and you know there's also you know a lot of people that compare themselves to especially in the content, you know, when you're looking at subscribers and all that. But in podcasting, it's like, it's a smaller pool, right? Than YouTube channels. And, uh, but it can be very lonely. So what, what's your, what's your take on that? And, and how have you maybe historically worked with people that, that are battling those kinds of things?
2: Those are all really good questions. So I think that when you're doing something new i think there's always a, a certain measure of imposter syndrome um i usually try to say that the more you interview the more you work through that and then you don't have it anymore it's kind of like lifting a weight i always say the microphone is a hand weight like you have to keep lifting it up and speaking into it and before you know it you really do you're not thinking about that anymore then you start to think about Oh, who could I interview? You know, like that's another really great thing. Yeah, there's there's some loneliness, but like I, I love when I can sit and I can strategize for myself. Like who do I want to interview? Or to be spontaneous, like I read like a really cool article on LinkedIn about somebody, um, or I just hear about something and I could like immediately click act on it. Like I could just hold email that person. Pull DM them and ask them to come on the podcast, and and being curious, like you can interview so many different people. It's ridiculous. Like everybody says yes to a podcast, so it's just a great way to meet people. Um, hell, if you're on a job search, like it kicks doors in. Like you can talk to to people that would never even look at your resume. So <laughs> it's just such a great tool. Uh, I I think it's. Um, it, it does have its share of loneliness. i uh, I suppose if you do a podcast with somebody like if you have a co-host, you'll have like that relationship like you guys have where you can sometimes interview people and then sometimes just be the two of you having conversation. uh so that might be a way to not feel lonely or or maybe you have somebody who's really good at the social media strategy so you can have somebody to work with on that.
0: I love that I think I think involving somebody else is key whether it's hiring something someone like you or just having a partner you know to just bounce some things off that will help you sort of sharpen the irons and give you some some honest feedback right you know, lots of times people will say well, what do you think about this and the reason why they're asking you is cuz they want you to to give them a compliment right but mm. i think what i what i do is i try to surround myself with people i know will be honest with me and if they do give me good feedback, then I can truly feel good because, you know, I knew they would, you know, let me have it if it sucked. Right. So I think it's, it's important to surround yourself. And, yeah, I'm lucky to have, uh, you know, Jim here on, on this thing. And I'm sure along the way for you, when you were doing when you started Culture Factor and you started doing that along the way, you found somebody that was helping you through your journey. Can you can you talk a little bit about that?
2: You know, I've had some interesting cheerleaders. So it's funny how social media has become where a lot of our relationships have been forged. You know, of course, my family supports me. I mean, it goes without saying my son has been like, amazing. He listened to my podcast. He subscribes, he does all that stuff. And he listens to it. And then he talks to me about it. He says, you know, he actually helped me improve some of my interview techniques because, you know, you don't you don't know what you don't know, and I um, so that was pretty cool for me. So I am surrounded by that, and being on social media, I've had so many interesting conversations with people on LinkedIn, uh, Clubhouse, Instagram. People I've met, and it's so nice because you can. You could riff with them. You could collaborate with them. Sometimes they become people that you interview. Uh, So yeah, I think I've had both. What I'd love to say though, Chris, is to what you said about being able to take criticism. I think it's all about active listening on both sides. So being able, when you're interviewing somebody to actively listen, to like hear what they're saying without already formulating in your head what you want to say. But I think it's the same thing for criticism, like being able to actively listen, absorb what that person's trying to share with you and not try to be looking for compliments or, or validation and more just being open like, okay, they're sharing something with me for a reason because they they trust me and I trust them. And even if it hurts a little bit, um, I could grow from this. So there just got to be in that moment. You know, so... Even when my, my son said to me, mom, you don't have to say, so let me ask you this question. He said, because you're <laughs> okay. already asking the question, exactly. you know, that type of thing. Like I was like, oh my gosh, Like I could have taken that personally and been like, well, don't criticize me. I'm doing the best I can. Or I could say, yeah, you know what? That's kind of redundant. I guess I don't need to say, can I ask another question when I'm going to ask another question? So we're all just learning. Again, right. we don't know what we don't know. It's all good.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's those conversational things. And and Jim, Jim gets me on this all the time. He's in Toastmasters. So so he catches me all the time on on things like, Can I ask you a question? Well, of course you can ask a question. We're on a podcast. You don't have to ask me to ask a question.
2: <laughs> right. Right. So, Jim, you have to teach me some tricks.
0: Yeah.
1: So, Holly, another example, I guess you you were talking earlier about like whether you have a co-host or not. So I know for me, with this show and with the live show I've been doing since 2018, having a co-host, in a sense, puts you... You have an accountability partner. Have you had that? Or have you found that that sometimes can be a challenge if you're solo? Because it's really easy to say, Well, you know, I know I should be getting a podcast out, but um, i got some other things I got to do right now.
2: I have to say, I'm one of those people that you ever hear that saying if you want to get something done give it to someone who's busy i somehow i just get stuff done like i'm 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 a creator like i'm constantly creating so i just get stuff done i'm i'm also of the school of thought that good is better than great and i will put something out even if it's not my finest hour in terms of editing or just something about it's not perfect i i just in the essence of keeping the content and the rhythm going and keeping the audience happy that they're receiving something every week because I told them it'll be there every Tuesday. I just do it, I have to admit.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Now that's great. I, and one of my favorite sayings, Chris has heard me say this before. Uh, the P in perfection is poison. So I think it's mm. great that you uh actually feel like I don't have to be perfect. I'm just I'm, you know, good is better than great. I I like that. That that's a new one. I hadn't heard that before. Good is better than great but you're right get it out there right because just the fact like even the fact that you wrote this book because you wanted to help other people get started right i mean it started out as like you know i mean that's a brilliant idea i mean i think a lot of times chris and i fall into that like we have all this information in our head and we can talk about it we've done clubhouses or we've talked about amazon live but it's like we need to write something down or we need to do a video uh so we can, yeah. You know, so we don't have to keep repeating. Are you right? You don't have to keep repeating yourself.
2: Just go read my book. True. <laughs> yes. Go read my book, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. You should. You should write an ebook. You guys are next.
0: Oh uh, yeah. It's yeah, I guess it's kind of hard to write a book when you're on Clubhouse, right? So um, it's it's you got to set parameters for yourself when when you get yourself involved in it. And I I love how you know we've just we've touched on all of these sort of you know, elements of mind junk that keep people from starting something. And it and it mm-hmm. could be a podcast, it could be a a YouTube channel. It could be writing a book. It could be a a blog even, right? Yeah, I know it's 2021. There's still people launching blogs every day. Um, but when it comes to podcasting, you know, there's you know, there's around two million podcasts, but like what, a third of them are really active, meaning, you know, putting content on Every ninety days, and I think a lot of people they see podcasts as being you know the hot thing, and they think they're maybe late to the game, mm. um, and and they think oh well you know I, I wish I had gotten my podcast started five years ago, I, it would be just so big right now. But it, but and especially in the last year, there was a lot of people that launched a podcast but are now fading away after you know pod fading after six or, or eight episodes. When you're working with businesses, and by the way, go to hollyshannon.com if you want to work with Holly, to individuals and businesses that want to work with with Holly. But when you're working with these businesses, how do you keep them move like you just talked about moving forward, not, you know, pushing past perfectionism and really some of it is how do you get the content if you're not necessarily guest reliant and so how do you work with a with a with a business obviously it varies depending on what the business is but um, i'd be curious to find out how you get how you stop them from fading after so many episodes
2: that's great i love this so first of all a podcast is such a great marketing tool so let's just say we're starting from a place where this business says we think we'd like a podcast and we're not 100% sure, but we think we want a podcast. Talk to us about it. So, the first thing that I would be asking them is what is your goal ultimately with it? Is it just to have a podcast or do you have sort of that long term game for it? Are you looking to have virtual or live conferences at some point? Are you looking to build some sort of thought leadership tour? Are you looking to get speaking engagements? What are you looking to do? So I think understanding that and creating a pipeline for success is being consistent about putting out the podcast because it gets you from the beginning idea through to all of the vision that you have. So let's say you want to highlight the thought leaders that work in your company. You have all of these amazing people that work for you, with you, and around you. And you want to start sharing uh, what you're doing, trends, conversations you're having. You want to share it with the world, right? Like You want everybody to know what you know. Kind of like you go on Clubhouse and you're sharing with the world everything you know. So... Now you're you're specializing. It's your own conversation. It's your own story, and you're highlighting all of these great people and and really showing them for the expertise that they have. That makes them appealing now. So now people have heard them speak and be interviewed, and they'll get asked to be on other uh, stages. I mean, I got lucky. I got asked to be on two stages this past February. So it happens once your voice is out there and people hear you and they know that you know what you're talking about. Uh, they they invite you to speak on platforms. So what does that do? That elevates your brand. That elevates the individual. That makes people want to subscribe and download past episodes and listen to what you guys are talking about. It lets you build things. Maybe you're going to build an ebook, like I was saying about for for you. You know, you're talking about all. Different things like each of the people that you interview could be a chapter, and you could be creating content that also builds on your brand. Uh, Again, conferences is, you know, maybe another step. The flip side is the complete flip side is if you don't want to do something publicly on iTunes, you might say, We need something to rally around. Like, we want to build. Um, our community within our company. We want to enhance our company culture. So we want to build an internal tool. So you can create... I call them privately integrated podcasts. And it allows you to highlight different things happening in your company. Because let's face it, nobody's opening that email that you sent with the company newsletter. Nobody. Right. So if you have a way to highlight different things happening in the company and the personalities and the lives of the people to work with so you become closer, it's kind of a cool tool. And if everybody's involved and you have a team of people, you start to build uh, some muscle around what the brand is really about because now everybody's contributing towards well, what are we talking about? What are the topics? You know, how are we covering this story? Who's doing editing? Who's gonna do you know the the audiogram, and it becomes collaborative. So when you collaborate, you're you're building community. So it, there's so many things you can do for a business with with a podcast. For yeah, sure.
0: I love that. And and not once did you mention downloads. It's why whenever I work with someone, I, I say it's six months because you'll you'll know before then, uh, and think you know. But it just. It's a bit of a long game, you know. It takes a while for the lights to come on everywhere and for you to start to get into, you know, 40, 50, 60 countries, you know, and getting that activity. I mean, you know, you're 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 basically available in all all of these countries, but people don't know who you are just yet maybe. And so, you know, I think a lot of people when they say they first launch a podcast and they want to monetize, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a reason, you know, and if somebody says, I want to start a podcast to make money. Okay. Now, how are we going to do that? And also got to be patient unless you got a really good idea. Okay. Then maybe, maybe it happens a little quicker, but it's, it really is a bit of a long game. And I love how you touched on all of these things like community and the, uh, the internal company, uh, aspect. And, you know, how many times did we work for companies and historically where it's just like. Oh look, it's blah di blah month, and here's this saying: Go to our our internal web portal and read an article. Nobody's going there, right? Nobody's reading right. those emails. If you do something original and you're actually interviewing someone, and that person in the company's on it, what are they going to do? They're going to tell everybody about it so that they'll listen to it, and so you're getting you're getting more activity. You're getting that different kind of energy, and so I love how you're not just dwelling necessarily on the downloads, which if you keep at it like you said i love i love another thing that you said was the microphone is is like a you know like a dumbbell right it's and and we say it all the time you got to put the reps in but i but the microphone being a dumbbell is just like you know it just sort of adds to that but once you get those reps in and you're a real podcaster after 6 months uh or so then then you start seeing what you hoped you would start to see at the end of it, and if that's, you know driving them to more products or creating a community or or any of those things, that's when those things start to happen.
2: I agree. You know, I'd like to make two points. So you spoke about the downloads and everybody gets so caught up in these vanity metrics. So let me ask you a question. So you're a company and you want to have a podcast, and everybody's like, well, how do we get, hundred thousand downloads or you know some number some arbitrary number that they picked up on the internet and they think like I have to do this. So my question is okay so if you have a hundred thousand people and your goal is to have a conference, okay, if they're if that's all your goal is and they're not engaged because you're not putting out good content because you don't care enough about what you're doing. You're just focused on the numbers, then you're gonna have a hundred thousand people that stopped listening to your podcast a long time ago, but because they subscribed it's automatically coming to their phone. So it's not even a real measurement of where your community actually is. So, would you rather have, you know, a thousand completely engaged uh, listeners that are interacting with you on LinkedIn, that are subscribing, that are rating and reviewing, who are writing into your company, um, and that are willing to pay a very high ticket price, by the way? Very high ticket price for that live event that you've put together that is, you know, a mastermind retreat where they're going to have, you know, really great things to learn when they're there. Some of the best speakers you have will be highlighted there. Uh, They'll have ways to grow themselves because, you know, the people you're talking to obviously have a growth mindset, right? So, do you want to have like a really high ticket, very exclusive mastermind retreat down the road or do you just want 100,000 people so you could just say you had 100,000 and then you got some ads that were some monthly recurring revenue but does not beat that nice price ticket, right? For for the conference. So they're not all created equal.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And actually uh, our friend Phil is uh chimed in and he has a question. And in this, Phil, part of what Holly just said will help you, I think. So, Phil has said he's been on some radio talk shows before, but hadn't really thought about podcasting. And now he's thinking about it more. And I want to say he's in cybersecurity, home security, Chris. Yes. Is that that Mm -hmm. right? So, he's thinking, well, you know, would this book be a good place for me to start learning about podcasting? I think he's in the perfect, one of those niches that a lot of people would say, I'd love to listen to somebody talk to me about this subject that's an expert. I mean, what do you think, Holly?
2: 100%. Um, first of all, like we said, the magic is in the niche. So the fact that you're already niche down and you specialize in that, fill, and it's something that you are knowledgeable about, it that is perfect. And you could interview people... Um, One of the things I tell people is if they're very busy with their work, so obviously you're busy with your cybersecurity, you can interview people, but you could also do moderated versions as well. So it's just you speaking on a very specific topic. So you could keep your content very consistent and coming all the time. But when you don't have time to interview somebody, you're kind of interviewing yourself and, and speaking about, you know, one aspect of cybersecurity, for example
0: yeah he's a he's a great example of it. I've watched a couple of he's he's an Amazon live uh, creator as well. And I, you know, it, you can tell like within five, ten minutes, I'm learning something already. and you can't you can't turn away. You're like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, I started asking some questions about voice activated home security. I didn't know about it. And that's the great thing about podcasting is that, like you said, you could be super niche. In fact, you should be super niche because I think a lot of people think that barrier to entry is just oh my gosh, it's just so huge. Well, there's 38 million YouTube channels. You know, there's 600 million blogs. There's a, there's there's all of that stuff or six I should say there's like a billion websites or something. There's less than 2 million podcasts and a third of them are active. Yeah, exactly. I want to go there okay. i want to go there and be there where like you said holly it's like i've worked with people that are getting calls from india to be to work with them I, you know getting calls from all over the world because they heard a podcast and one person said well i just wanted to be sure that you were the same person that i heard on that podcast and they got the business and that Is that means so much to someone because it's a, it's maybe not financially, but it's a payoff. It's like, that's what I needed to hear. That's, that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a payoff. This is why I'm doing it. This is why I, I lifted the microphone and, and did the curls and, and put in the reps. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Holly, tell us, tell us about
1: the podcast itself. And, and maybe Chris, if you wanna,
0: a lot of times we'll listen to a podcast and we'll make it personal. And we'll go, Oh man, I just love this. And I love this. And I love this podcast. And then all of a sudden it's like, why aren't I, you know, I think one of the greatest things you can give to a podcaster is to share it with somebody else. And I don't think there's any greater marketing thing there is for a podcast other than somebody to go, have you heard Culture Factor 2.0 by Holly Shannon? Man, this interview she had with Stephen Eugene Kuhn. Um, was just man, you know. She talked about this. He talked about this, or whatever, and share it with somebody. I think that is the greatest marketing uh, engine for for a podcast. What are your What's your take on that?
2: I agree. I share podcasts all the time. I, I enjoy listening to other people and the different stories that they share. And you know, word of mouth is always the best, right? So if if you could share. Um, Culture factor that would be really great, and uh, eventually I'll have another podcast. I'm building zero to podcast now, so there'll be there'll be another one. So please share because you know that's that's what it's all about. And um, sharing is caring. Yes, you had asked me about the podcast and what it was about, mm-hmm. and so what I'd like to tell you is that Culture Factor started out around the concept that culture eats strategy for breakfast. A, it's a famous saying. And it was one that really reflected classical business and the way it's always been done. And started the podcast with that in mind and was interviewing people about what makes a healthy company culture for them. You know, And it was from the C-suite, talking with, with founders and leaders and really having that conversation. Along the way, I sort of changed it again because it what was difficult is that COVID changed the narrative right like it changed the way we traditionally do business so not everybody is going to those skyscrapers that are you know up and down fifth avenue in New York City anymore and we're in a fragmented world we're all remote somewhat hybrid um there's some companies that have just gone under. Some are just trying to figure it out because maybe they're in like manufacturing and distribution. Thank you, essential workers. And so it's changed. And I felt that the old model for doing business was not the conversation anymore. So I took a look at company culture and said, it's different now. We have to talk about how COVID is shaping it. What, what are leaders doing now? to keep their businesses afloat. And what's happening with the people who work there? Um, Some are having excruciating levels of burnout and some are becoming emerging leaders. Like There's this whole new dynamic happening. And so it was really important to me to reframe the the podcast. So I actually rebranded it in October to reflect um, a, a saying that Seth Godin said in his book, This Is Marketing. He said, "Culture is strategy." So I shifted it to really focus on that, and I shifted my conversations to talk about how leaders are managing what they're doing. And I actually have interviewed, you know, up-and-coming leaders that are in the ecosystem of their of their business to try and understand what are they doing, how how are we all working together, you know, our work life and our personal life are so intertwined now there's no work life balance is kind of a fallacy right like it, it's really hard to say that that even exists anymore it's it's one thing when work work takes away from being with your family which happens often people have overtime and all that but when work physically infiltrates your home space it changes the dynamic everything that's like personal and private and special is now up for public consumption right So it's really, really hard. So that's been the conversation. And then I recently had thought that um, I almost want to take a slight break from it to watch the next iteration of company culture. Because now that we're getting vaccinated and there's hope in the future, um, what businesses will go back to brick and mortar? What businesses will adopt fully remote? What businesses will go hybrid and what will work? Not the same for everybody, but what will work and what, and what does business look like then? And how are you building culture now? So the podcast really has taken on a lot of different lives and I'm not even hundred percent sure where it's going. So maybe that's the beauty part of it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where it goes next.
0: So Holly, you mentioned that there, it, it, you've talked to uh, some people on the podcast that are emerging leaders and that have uh, developed great—I don't know—strategies, tactics, whatever, what have you—to uh, develop, uh, you know, and make their company grow during this the, during this time and have. What are some examples, maybe, of of people that you've spoken to during this time, and maybe some some things that they're doing that are that are changing uh, this whole this whole narrative? And then when we get to whatever the other side of this, or when you know, like you said, the vaccine's out and and people start to feel more comfortable, you know, coming and you know together and whatnot, are they going to thrive and be that further ahead from those that are just sort of sitting and waiting back for the doors to just open again?
2: Such great questions. So, well, there's so much to unpack there. So <laughs> the ROI, it's always the the end goal, right? Like, do, have we increased productivity? So the answer is yes and no, right? There are certain companies that have really thrived through this. You know, you look at the tech industry, for example. Um, make no mistake, they're years ahead of us now, right? Like, if you're a store that made cookies... <laughs> Your store who made a SaaS platform—it's like a completely different animal. So I think that people are moving forward, and what I'm seeing is that l- when I say emerging leadership, I think that companies, because this happened so fast, they were open to people within the company um, morphing the company like helping it make changes and open to new ideas because it it was overnight. For the first time, we could really say it was overnight, right? So, you know, the only way to really survive is to really lean in on the talent that's there and let them rise to the top with ideas and hope something sticks to the wall. So that did happen. Um, there's just been a lot of... Uh, people who are rising. And that doesn't mean by age. When I say emerging leadership, I don't necessarily mean that like the youngest are thriving. Because actually, what I'm seeing is a a unique uh, dynamic that people that were starting to be looked upon as aging out of certain communities, businesses, are now being looked at a little bit differently because... They bring a different experience to the table about how to maintain relationships, how to communicate, how to cross mentor. They bring other things to the table that somebody who's new to the business world doesn't bring. And it doesn't mean that they won't have those skills at some point. But somebody who's 25 does not have the same amount of knowledge that somebody who's 40. They might be extremely well schooled and they may have. Great things to share, and they will, and they're going to grow, and everybody's can thrive with the company. I'm just saying, you know, make no mistake. There's there's been emerging leadership happening in a lot of different ways, and I think that's what's so beautiful is that um, I think everybody can win in some way if if companies recognize that if they if they can pull together and allow for that to emerge, and and when I say mentor, cross mentor. Like I think it's really important that somebody who's 25 years old in the company is mentoring somebody who's 50, and somebody who's 50 is mentoring somebody who's 40, and that it's going back and forth. Yeah. Because there's, I I learned from my son, yeah. you know how how to use things, and I'm technically proficient. Yeah. Like I I've been on a computer forever. I launched a podcast in three weeks. Like I'm <laughs> I'm technically proficient, but you know what? Sometimes I lean in and I yeah. say, okay. What just happened with my computer? Help.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean it's about being open to anyone around you, whether they're in your company or around you because there's there's okay, there is there's some bad information out there. Let's not, you know, you know, but you you can learn a lot. Like I used to, you know, whenever I would go into a company, I would spend time with whoever was in reception. I would spend time with I would go walk into the mailroom. I would go you know, not, these aren't companies that I actually worked for. I think there's ways for you to, it could be a client, it could be whatever. And then there's got to be ways to do that virtually now as well, whether we're going to be there physically or eventually in a hybrid sort of situation. How can you transfer that energy? How can we share that information regardless of age and everything else, um, you know, in terms of diversity Um, how can we learn from each other? How can we listen, right? How can we listen to that person who's 24 years old? And how can we listen to that person that's 58 years old and everywhere in between, no matter what gender, color, you know, anything. Um, and I think there's something to be learned so that, I mean, I'm glad you, you brought that up and, and it's just, it can be disappointing at times to think, boy, I wish that had happened prior to COVID, and then we didn't. We never had COVID, right? And then you know that would be fantastic. But you know those those are things that you have to go through in order to learn, I guess, for some companies.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect for every company. I mean, I, I think a lot of them are still struggling. But the ones that I have seen that have embraced um, that emerging leadership mentality, um, a growth mentality. Uh, to let people school up, learn up in any way they want because they have like a, a an idea and they want to see if it if it helps. Um, those are those companies are, are really they're doing well. They're doing really well. So um, it's why uh, the podcast. I'm hopeful like people listen to what other companies are doing because we learn from each other, right? We learn from the people we work with, but we also learn by listening to podcasts and. And finding out what different companies have succeeded at, some are killing it on Twitter. You know, they're they're building. Morning Brew is a perfect example. They're building and scaling publicly on Twitter every freaking day, and they're building the um, the individuals that work there. Personal branding is happening as well. I had Toby Howell on my show. He's 25. I learned a lot from him. I'm not 25. So, I learned a lot from him. He's amazing, you know. Uh, there's just so many people like we all have something to share. Just got to be like open to the process and and open to the dialogue, right? Actively listening.
0: Love it.
1: So so Holly, you you made a major shift, you know, like a lot of us had to because of of what happened with the pandemic. Where do you see yourself going? I mean, now that you've kind of like you've got this business, you're working with other companies to help them with podcast. Do you see yourself staying in this space, or do you think you may go back into the event industry?
2: It's probably the second time um, I've watched the event industry have its struggle, so I'm a little reluctant. To put all my eggs in that basket again, I'm not exactly sure right now. I'm building, you know, this is like my passion project is, you know, the the audio excellence and building for businesses and individuals. I think I can see this actually morphing to a bit of an agency model. Um, I actually have been approached to possibly buy what I've built, type of thing, but I don't know, which would leave me open to building something else. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of. Open right now. I'm, I'm, I think my, like I say, I'm I'm a bit of a Swiss Army knife. So we'll (laughs) see. I I don't, I don't know if I need to build it out more and make it something bigger, like a, a, a full service, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, agency where, you know, I can bring other talents in and we, we work together to create, you know, great products or what I don't know what's next for Holly Shannon what do you guys think
0: <laughs> I'll ask you we'll have you on later and then you could you could share all the fantastic things that have happened since we stopped <laughs> right
1: <laughs> Holly thanks again it was a pleasure uh, like I said when I when you and I had that conversation a few weeks back I said yeah we gotta we gotta get you on here cause you gotta great message to share. So thanks again.
2: Thank you. Thank you to both of you. This was really, really great. And I enjoyed being on DealCasters Live and my first maiden voyage into Amazon. So thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Holly. Thanks for being gentle. and, And thanks for everybody listening and Phil for your great question. Thanks.
0: All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Don't fear the gear.
1: Thanks for listening to DealCasters. Congratulations. You've taken another step forward in your content creation journey. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button here in your favorite podcast player so you can be reminded every time we drop an episode.
0: We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. And if you're wanting to watch our shows live on Amazon, feel free to follow DealCasters live as well at dealcasters.live. Follow us on Twitter or subscribe to our YouTube channel where we also include added content that you cannot find anywhere else. If you have questions about this episode or have something you want us
1: to review, you can also email us at dealcasters at dealcasters.live. Thanks again for listening. And you know the deal. Don't fear the gear.